Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Calming the taper nerves. As fall races start to approach, we see more and more athletes start to taper for their goal races. You know how the taper can be. You spend months building your mileage. You're busy and exhausted from all of the training. And then suddenly there are big cuts in your mileage and you have more time and energy, which can sometimes cause athletes to worry about all of the things. We start to second guess ourselves and all of the training that we put in. Did I do enough? Was our training cycle enough to get us to our goal time? We start to worry and get anxious. Our normal outlet for all these worries may be running itself. So when that gets cut and you have to start running less and less, it can be ironic that we are unable to get that stress relief fix that we need because we are tapering. In this podcast, we will be chatting about the typical concerns that athletes athletes tend to have going into their race week and the mindset approach that we would use and advise to fix them. Sometimes we, when we bring our biggest fears to light, they aren't so scary anymore. And so I have with me today, Jason Phillippe, who has been running for over 20 years now. He's been coaching for the past decade um, at the college, high school, and middle school level, but also at the club level starting um, you know, seven years ago, he started coaching marathoners, um, and he is a 10-time marathoner himself. Um, he's done the Boston Marathon and other world majors, so definitely very experienced when it comes to those big tapers and what they look like, um, not only for athletes, but also as um, an athlete himself. Uh, I've also ran 19 marathons, so I've definitely experienced quite a few marathon tapers here, and I definitely know firsthand all the nerves and the tapering um, stages that most athletes will go through also. Um, So I guess we'll just kind of, you know, kick things off with when you are in the taper, kind of how do you feel personally as an athlete? Like, do you tend to like have anxiety or worry about the race? Or are you someone that's able to block it out a little bit more and it doesn't really impact you? Yeah, I think for me, it's been it's been interesting because I've probably only had like, I'd say two to three like marathon training cycles that went, you know, according to plan where I felt like I put in the work. So the taper was actually, I noticed a pretty good relief, right? So, um, and during those times, I, I honestly enjoyed it. Like I just picked up on some other hobbies and I spent more time focusing on like my nutrition and, and doing the little things like the stretching, the foam rolling, the preventative exercises. Um, and then those other times where, so I've probably done six or seven marathons where my training, you know, either my training didn't go according to plan or I kind of decided last minute to do them, um, or other things got in the way. So I just kind of, I, you know, did kind of what I would call half-ass training. And so those, uh, the taper, didn't really feel like much of a reduction, right? So 
during those times, it felt kind of normal. Like I just kind of sustained what I was doing. Um, obviously, I backed off on the long run. Um, but the rest period, you, you know, your body didn't really notice it like it did those other times. So um, I've always found to not get too worked up about, um, you know, feeling a certain way about something you noticed about your body during the taper. Like we've all had times where even like the night before the race, all of a sudden, or your shakeout run before the race, right? Something was not right. Like it felt like it was hurting or you just felt sluggish and this was aching and it's all normal. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I would just, um, again, focus on the big picture and kind of the reason for why you're doing what you're doing and, and your training as a whole leading up to this point and just kind of remembering that this won't be your last race. And so there'll be things you'll take away from this race that will help you, you know, with future races and just continuing towards the path of your goals. Yeah, I think that's some really good advice. And for a lot of people, you know, maybe that you was running kind of as their outlet and you get used to a certain like level of training, it can feel a little weird to suddenly back off the mileage and you might, you know, be a little antsy and wanting to kind of like put your energy towards something. Um, But the biggest thing is understanding that the reason for the taper is that we want your body to have that extra energy so that it can use that energy to repair your muscles um, and be able to really be ready to have the best performance that you can have on race day. So it's totally normal to go through, you know, a variety of different stages and feelings during the taper, but it is really important to kind of stick with it because the taper can give you like an added, you know, advantage on race day. Whereas if you went in with heavy legs, um, you're not really gonna see much more of a benefit than you would if you just like were doing this as a regular workout within your training cycle. Um, and we want your legs as fresh as they can possibly be for race day. So I guess just going over the uh, week by week, you know, the typical marathon taper is going to be about three weeks um, in duration. And so that first week, um, we're not going to cut back like too, too terribly much. Um, you know, maybe a 20% reduction in what you were doing, which can still feel like a lot, but really you're probably not going to feel um, much different during that first week. So, you know, three weeks out, you're probably going to do your longest run. And then, you know, that following Monday is kind of when the, the taper, you know, quote unquote starts. Um, but all those weekday runs are going to feel pretty much the same as probably what you have been doing. Um, where you're going to see the biggest reduction in mileage is going to be that first weekend. So about two weeks out from your race, um, you're probably going to do, you know, a shorter long run. So maybe like a 16 miler as opposed to, you know, the 20 or 18 that you were doing the weeks prior, or maybe even you're doing last, maybe you're going to do like 14 for your, your two weeks out long run. Um, and that's where I think people will start to, in that first week, maybe you feel a little bit sluggish because you don't really feel that you know, your body is really even getting up much of a break. Um, but then there becomes like a turning point. So after you do that long run, um, that, that second week, so you're, you're two weeks out now, that next week is going to be another reduction in mileage. So another 20%. And so you're going to start to, to start feeling a little like antsy, like what's going on here. But at the same time during that second week, um, you know, when you're 10 days out, you may feel like crap. And so there's actually like a scientific reason 
as to why you might not feel super great. So when your body goes into recovery and repair mode, um, you tend to feel more fatigued. You tend to maybe retain a little bit more water. Your legs are a little bit heavier because there's a lot of repairs going on um, in your you know, muscles and your body starts to like store more glycogen. So you might notice like your weight's going up a little bit. Um, you may feel a lot more sluggish on runs during that week. So that's really common during cutback weeks or just weeks where you're, you're doing less volume is you're going to maybe feel more tired. So if that first week you feel really tired or just like your legs are heavy, um, don't worry. That's totally normal part of the process. Um, at some point during the taper to kind of feel that way. Um, you may also kind of be craving more food or be hungrier than normal. And that's also normal because your body is working hard to recover and repair all the damage that's been done on a macro level throughout the entire course of your training cycle. Um, But at the same time, when you're feeling kind of more fatigued and tired and heavy legs, you may also be getting a little antsy like, whoa, this taper is not working, right? So you're still 10 to 7 days out from the race and that's when you start to question like, is this even worth it? Um, It's really important to not try to test your legs or to go out too fast Uh, during that taper on any of those days because then you're just going to have to like start over that whole recovery process and the whole point is to let your legs recover so you know one week out from the race you're going to be doing a very very short long run so it's probably gonna be like the shortest long run you've done this whole time um you're probably not going to go over 90 minutes and that's when things are going to start to feel really weird (laughs) uh then you're going to head into that the final you know seven days before the race and with each day you're probably going to feel better and better and uh you may get a little bit more antsy as you get closer to the race and i think the biggest thing that people can do during um the taper is to find ways like to relieve your anxiety or to outlet your stress outside of running because you definitely don't want to be like hammering workouts or going too hard. Um, so some other things that like maybe you could do to keep your mind off things would be, uh, you know, taking up some salt baths, um, doing something relaxing, like getting a massage two weeks out, um, just focusing your mind on other things and other ways that you can relieve stress outside of running. And that's why it's really important to kind of like establish those habits, um, during a regular training cycle too, so that you have other go-tos, um, to help with stress relief, um, maybe doing some mindful meditation, um, going on a walk, all of those things can help um, relieve stress, getting outside in nature, even just looking at pictures of nature, um, not hyper-focusing on the race itself because, you know, they say when you worry about stuff, it's like suffering twice, right? So you don't want to like worry too much about the race or get get too involved. You have to really understand that you've already put in the work. And so this taper is just allowing your body to kind of rest and recover. And you're still going to be as fit as possible on race day. You don't have to like be thinking about it to stay mentally sharp. Um, yeah. So Jason, do you have any tips for like operating during the taper? Um, do you do anything to kind of keep your mind off things or do you think it's better to like focus on the race or what is your like go-to? Yeah, I think everything you said is great. Um, I just like to pick up more, you know, more stuff that maybe you neglected in the past. Like maybe you want to cook more meals because you haven't been. Or um, like you said, the the meditation, the yoga. Um, use this time maybe to spend time with like friends or family that you sometimes blew off to do your long runs on the weekends or, um, you know, just didn't get to see very often. Because this way it takes your mind off of it and it keeps you very balanced and Um, you know, I kind of treat it like I would, like, what are you doing the two weeks after the marathon? You're probably enjoying some other 
things in your life that you haven't done in a while. Maybe you're reading, um, you know, something like that. So try not to be thinking about it because, like you said, if you're constantly being worried about it, that's not good. Um, just trust that you've kind of put in the work and now you're just, um, you know, going to rest and kind of prepare yourself mentally. And it's okay occasionally to think about it or, you know, reflect on it during your runs each day. But don't get so worked up. Don't be sitting there analyzing your all your stats on training peaks or Garmin or Strava and comparing yourself. Like, don't be doing all that stuff because I think it just, it gets too much into our own head. So, um, you know, luckily I've, I, you know, because of my experience racing all throughout high school, college, like you had so many races um, that you never really had time to do that because you were racing like pretty much every weekend. Um, so I think that that just taught me over time to like not get so worked up about these races. Um, I know that it's tough when it's a marathon. You maybe only get to run one a year or two a year, but um, and you put in all this work, but again, just know that this is a part of who you are and it's not, it's not your whole self and identity. And so no matter on the, the outcome, you're still going to be the same person. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I'd say about that. Yeah. I think that's really good and important, uh, to separate you like your performance to, from your identity. Like it's just a hobby. It's just something you do. Um, and then also understanding that like, where does your running performance even really fall on like your priority list? So like I get that it's important to us, but really like what's going to change, you know, if you hit your goal versus if you don't, um, like nothing bad's going to happen in your life. Uh, you know, it's not like it's a medical diagnosis or anything like that where, you know, you, you, something bad is there. So I, I totally get like being sad. Um, you know, if you're, race doesn't go as planned and you really want to do everything you can to kind of make sure you have like the best possible outcome on race day. But, uh, bottom line is sometimes, you know, we have bad days. And so I think just part of the taper is just kind of like accepting like whatever happens, like being proud of the work that you put in and not really focusing too much on the outcome. So I, I like to use the taper as a chance to like reflect over everything that you've done um, leading up to that point. Maybe reflect on like your running journey and like how you started and like did you ever think that you would end up like where you are today? And I think just looking at it more from like that standpoint rather than, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this race, this one day, um, just focus on like your whole journey and like how hard you've worked to get to where you are now and being proud of all that work that you have put in and all the training that you put in leading to the point of the day that you are at today um, and being proud of that and having that as your confidence rather than looking for you know a certain race result to give you that validation. I think having all of that stuff to be proud of leading up to your race is super important and that's what you should be reflecting on not necessarily, oh my gosh, I have to, you know, hit this time on race day. Otherwise it's all for nothing. Um, so definitely don't have that mentality focusing more on, um, appreciating your journey to get to where you are now. And so sometimes I think, you know, common fears that athletes have, we're, we're just going to like go, <laughs> go down the list of things that, you know, maybe like we've worried about like pre-race and then just kind of sorting out like how, how we kind of will go about, these fears and like what we should tell ourselves instead of just being like, oh my gosh, you know, freaking out about it. So I guess the first fear that a lot of people have when it comes to the taper and like, oh my, like race day is what if I go out too fast? So if someone's really worried about that, like what's something that you, what's some advice that you could give to um, kind of calm the nerves with going out too fast on race day? 
Well, the simple answer is one word, and it's don't. Just be patient. Um, so I would say, obviously, you're hopefully going to have like a pacing plan in mind, um, and let's just trust that and follow it. So go out even, you know, even go out slower than what the pacing plan says. It's okay. Um, again, this will depend on you know, your experience with races, but if you haven't done too many, that's probably a common, um, you know, fear, especially in a long race, like the marathon, where it's so important that we don't go out too fast. So, you know, that's something that, you know, if you just commit to not doing that, you're, then you can focus on something else, right? So making sure you, you approach all your runs like that. Um, and my guess is if you have that fear for the race, um, Maybe you weren't the best at being so controlled and being patient in your training, or maybe you were, and you're just now worrying about like, I don't know, the race atmosphere and just how you're going to feel so good and it's going to feel so easy. And well, and that's, that's a good thing. That's how it should feel. Um, especially as you, you know, after this long absence of not doing races and we all get back to doing them, maybe for some people, it's going to be like, they took a year off from a real race and now they go and they get to go to the starting line of a, of a, you know, huge world major marathon, it's going to be tough not to go out so fast because the excitement is there. Right. And so I think just, um, again, just focusing on that effort, keeping it super simple and easy. Um, and then, yeah, focusing on like the process. So not so much being worried about like the pace and the time goal at the end, just focusing on how you want to feel, you know, every, you know, at checkpoints throughout the race, like every 5k or every five miles or whatever it is. Yeah, going not too fast, definitely a valid fear, but again, it's something like you control. So when you're in the first 10 minutes of the race, just make sure like you start slow, right? Like it's pretty simple answer, like just don't do it. And I think if you can confidently tell yourself like, hey, I'm just not going to do that on race day, then you can kind of like leave that fear at the door because you know, like you're in control of your body um, and just just saying that to yourself and repeating it and knowing that that's going to be your truth. Uh, so the next one, this, these are where they start to kind of get fun, right? So things that you aren't really in control of, um, you know, what if I don't hit my goal time? And this is especially tough for people who like tell other people their goals. So like, let's say you told everyone, my goal is to run, you know, 350, I'm going to do it. And like, you, you have it all up on social media. Like you've done all these workouts on Strava. Like everyone is following you. You've told everyone what you want to achieve and not only like what if you don't hit your goal like who cares if you run like 352 right like that's not that big of a deal but what if you run like four hours or like 410 and you come like 20 minutes short of your goal like what are people gonna think of you right (laughs) so these are all like valid fears that people have so how can you control that fear like what would you say to yourself if like you're just really worried about what people are going to think if you don't hit your goal time or what you think of yourself if you don't hit your goal time. <laughs> yeah, wow, this is a loaded question because we see it all the time. We see people with the lengthy race recaps, right? And a lot of times they're longer when the race doesn't go their way because they feel like they need to justify kind of what went wrong, right? So um, I would say if if you're really good about focusing on the first one, not going on too fast, you're more likely to... Um, avoid this from happening, right? Like you're setting yourself up to at least come closer to your goal time. So just um, following your pacing plan is going to be super important. Um, and I would say just take away, look at the positive. Like there's there's going to be a silver lining in every experience. Like even when I blew up at Boston, I took things away about how my feeling could have been better and um, just my mental preparation going into the race. Like I knew about what shape I was in because I just ran LA Marathon like two months prior. So 
Obviously, I didn't really lose much fitness from there. In LA, I ran okay. I ran like 258, but I should have been a lot more um, just smart about my mental approach and about my fueling because I could have avoided the cramping if I was just smarter. And um, so I think that, again, there's something to take away from every race. Um, But you know, you have to experience the bad races in order to have the good ones. That's just a part of racing and getting the experience. Um, so don't be shameful about posting and, you know, you can get as lengthy as you want, but sometimes it's not even necessary. Maybe you just post the outcome and maybe how you felt or what you wish would have went differently. Um, it's really up to you. I know some people, it makes them feel better if they do like a, a long one where it's like mile by mile or whatever. And some people like to read that, but I would just say, um, start thinking about the next one, how you're going to apply that to your training um, and kind of a fresh mindset. Yeah. I think the biggest thing to remember is that no one is always going to have a good race, like period, end of story. If you run long enough, you're just bottom line, you're going to have a bad race. Like, and it could be a really bad race. It could be a horrible race and it could just be a series of like mediocre, not great races. And the bottom line is it's going to happen to you if you stick with the sport long enough, like regardless, I don't know a single person that's been running for, you know, 10 plus years who haven't gone through a string of like more than one races where it's like, whoa, like what happened there? Right. So I think for, for me, at least, I just think that's almost like a badge of like, you know, it's just part of what you have to go through almost to be considered, you know, a very experienced runner. Um, we all go through the ups and downs. So if you happen to have like a really bad day, just know that that's like part of your experience. It's part of your learning experience. Um, you're going to learn something from it. And maybe if you don't even learn anything from it, maybe it's just one of those things that you just have to experience. Um, and there's really nothing that you are going to be able to do in the taper or in these like final seconds um, that are going to really change the outcome of what your race is going to be. So it's just really important to focus on the things that you can control. So again, just having a smart pacing plan, making sure your goal is realistic and maybe not putting like so much out there. Um, when you put a lot out there in the universe and you, you act like you really, really care about, um, a specific goal, you know, cause I follow a lot of people. I follow a lot of people's training. Um, when people really talk up the goal, uh, it puts more of a focus out there, right? So the more that you're sharing, the more that you're telling people like, this is my goal, this is my goal. Um, the more people are, you know, maybe kind of looking, but that's because you have, you know, put a lot out there for other people to kind of see. And so, you know, maybe one thing that you could do during the taper is, is not to, you know, throw so much out in the universe because you don't want to have a lot of pressure um, on yourself. You don't want to feel like, you know, people are watching you, whatever that is. So maybe just kind of like going within yourself, not really worried about what other people are thinking. Um, don't, don't put too much out there if that this is something you're worried about. Um, and then knowing that, you know, it's all about the training that you put in. So I've seen so many people over the years not run to their potential on race day. And like I said, it's totally part of the process. And I never like, will look at someone and go, Oh, like they weren't in as good a shape as, uh, they thought they were. It's just like, no, they just had like a tough day and wow, that sucks. Like I've been there. Um, and I think that's what most people think. And, uh, I think a lot of people falsely think that people are thinking of them when they aren't. So, right. Like when we say we see these race recaps sometimes online, um, like on Facebook or Instagram and like sometimes I'll think, wow, that person ran a really good time, right? Like they ran, you know, I, what I thought was a good time for them. And then they're like super disappointed or they like write a lot and you're like, 
oh, like I wouldn't have even known like that they didn't think that their time was good. And, and I think when we put so much pressure on ourselves and we like put so much out there, um, it just, it, you're the one who's like skewing the perception of what people think. Right. So if you, um, like want, you know, less attention and like less people asking you questions, I think maybe just being a little bit shorter and not putting so much out there, um, because what you put out there, people are going to like ask you about. Right. So I think being more within yourself and not worrying so much about those things. And then, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, being proud of the work that you've put in and not so much hyper-focusing on that goal, um, at the end of the day. So another question that, you know, a worry that people have is, you know, what if I DNF, um, or what if I have to walk? What if I don't BQ? Like, what if I totally miss the milestone and everyone knows like, this is my goal. So like, if I tell everyone before that I want to BQ and I don't, or if I say like, I'm running my first marathon and I DNF, like how awkward is that? Right. So <laughs> what, what is your advice for people who are struggling with that concern? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. You know, I, I can't help but think about elites because they DNF all the time. You know, like Galen Rupp had a DNF at Chicago and he bounced back and and was the Olympic trials champion. So, I mean, it just, it happens. I would say, um, you know, really think about like, what's the most important for, thing for you? If the goal is just to finish, then throw all time goes out the window. Like make sure that you approach it in a way that you're going to set yourself up to, you know, mentally and physically be, be present and still committed to your goal later in the race. Um, if you don't BQ, I mean, obviously there's always future races. Um, like you said, there's always something that you can take away and, uh, learn, learn from. And, um, I feel like you have to experience some of those negative races, um, and those outcomes in order to, you know, in order to become a better runner and to try to be more in tune with your body. And what, what can I do to maybe avoid this from happening again? It's just, it's a learning thing, even if we don't really see it in, in at the time, but, um, you know, and obviously I know weather can play a huge factor. So, you know, some people, they start to realize like, oh, I do well in this weather or I don't do so well in this weather or, um, you know, and that can really help you as far as like identifying marathons in the future that you maybe want to try to target, um, to try to have a better race, or maybe it can help you think about like, okay, this was a weakness of mine. So I need to really focus on this in my next training cycle so that I can prevent this from happening again. Yeah, that's some really good advice. And, you know, for hitting the goal, I think a lot of people are like DNF versus not DNF, right? Or hitting the goal versus not if it's a BQ versus not. For a lot of people, they can see that as like a pass fail, right? Like they're looking at it as a black or white, like I either get it or I don't. And I think that's kind of like a skewed perception because it's like, well, you did a lot. I mean, you did like so much and, and it's just so tough when like they see it as like an all or nothing, right? So you might make it to mile 22 and you like, maybe something flares up and you just couldn't get to the finish or like it's 90 degrees, whatever. There's a million reasons why people DNF and it shouldn't be like a divining factor. And it's definitely not a failure. To me, I would look at it more as like, okay, like let's say you went to go take a class in college or something and you know, you you get a grade at the end of the class, like A, B, C, D, E, or <laughs> DF, obviously, I've never got. Oh my gosh, I've never got a DRF. But I'm just saying, like, those are grades, right? And so you have to look at it more from the perspective of, okay, like, let's say you did all of the training and you did everything, you executed everything, and then just like on the final, you only, you know, scored 
what like let's say you dnf that's what like scoring like 80 percent on the final if you make it to mile 22 and you dnf you know if you get an a on everything else and you score 80 percent on the final like is that a failure no like you might get an a minus in the class but does that mean that you failed the class no you have to think about like what was the point of the class, right? Like, did you learn anything over the course of the semester, right? Did you do the assignments over the course of the semester? Or were you asleep the whole time? Like, did you just not do anything at all? Um, you really have to, like, judge yourself based on that criteria as opposed to, like, oh, my gosh, it's, it's only graded on the final. And if I don't get 100% on the final, then I fail, right? So we don't want to have that mindset. We want to have, like, more of, like, a looser mindset there because in reality, like, you're never going to get 100% all the time on every test, right? So if you get 70 or 60 on a test, but you showed up every single day in your training and you put in the work, um, you know, I, I would take a B in a training cycle. I mean, <laughs> I would take a C, right? Like it's not that you're getting like, you're not a failure, right? So don't define success or failure based on how you perform on race day. And so if you DNF, yeah, it sucks, but you know, you can bounce back from it. Um, one of our coaches, you know, Ben Jacobs, he DNF'd, like the week I hired him, like he went to go, um, run a race at California international marathon in 2016 and just totally DNF'd. Uh, and it was, it was his first only DNF and it was tough. I think for him mentally, just going through, um, that mindset. I mean, he'd had bad races in the past where obviously like you blow up or, you know, you don't run your, your goal. But I think like a DNF is like its own separate category of like, Whoa, like what, what happened there? Um, but, you know, he bounced back from that and was able to do another marathon after that, finish strong, all of those good things. Um, I think he got like second place at that marathon. So it's just all about like how you're viewing things. So like you can either dwell on it and say, you know, if I DNF, that means everything's a fail. Like it means it was all for nothing. Or you can say, you know what, even if I DNF, like I don't, it doesn't define me. Um, I'm going to get up. I'm still going to run again. Right. So you have to ask yourself realistically, if these things did happen, what would you do? Right. And so then just not being as afraid of it and saying, you know, if that if that does happen to me, whatever. And then you're not as, you know, nervous or afraid. Um, it's not as big of a deal. Um, so another fear that people might have is, you know, what if the weather is so bad and it rains the whole time and I become hypothermic or it could be like the reverse. What if the weather is so hot and like I don't run well in heat? Uh, like, what should I do? Yeah, this is a big one. And we've experienced this firsthand every time we've gone to Boston because it's always always seems like it's been um, tough conditions to running. And and everybody you talk to, you know, at the expo and the day before, I mean, that's the topic of conversation, right? Like about the weather and what you're going to wear and all of that. So I think this can be a tough one, but you have to realize like, um, you know, if the weather's not going to be ideal, you're probably going to have to modify your goals. And that's just the, that's just the nature of the, of the matter. And everyone's going to be out there experiencing the same, same conditions you are. And so, you know, nobody's going to be able to necessarily, um, you know, have their ideal conditions if that's the case. So, um, you're going to be able to, you know, still go out and run. And I think that, you know, there's, there can still be some good key takeaways by modifying your goal and still achieving that goal. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's, you're getting mentally tougher if you're having to, you know, be out there in those conditions, that's, that can always be difficult if it's rain or cold or wind or, or heat. Um, and again, that can, that can still continue to improve your fitness. Um, but just focusing on what the things that you can control and obviously weather is not one of them. Um, and you're going to need to make modifications 
and make sure you're taking every precaution. Um, you know, like the year it, at Boston when it was way sunnier than anticipated, I wish I would have had sunscreen. That's just one thing I didn't wear. Um, I think I did wear a hat, but I, I don't know if it was white. I'd probably wear lighter clothes that day. And so just the, doing the little things to help prepare. Uh, I know the year Victoria ran in the monsoon, we went out and made sure she had like the rubber gloves that would help keep her hands dry because regular gloves aren't going to cut it. So you need to make sure that you're thinking about like what are the things you can do to help at least try to maximize your performance in those conditions because, you know, you may have to wear certain clothes that you're not used to training in. Um or less clothes if it's going to be hot. So, Yeah, I think that's really good. Focusing on the things that you can control and then just being prepared for it. So it very well could be, you know, 100 degrees. And, you know, we've had races where we didn't anticipate, you know, it was going to be black flag conditions, but that's what you have to face. And just knowing that everyone else has to face those same conditions and then just knowing that, you know, this isn't probably going to be like your PR lifetime day. Like you're you're not going to like finish this race and then say, okay, this is my lifetime PR. Like I'm done running. Um, it's just going to be another, another journey that you're going to have to take and just making modifications on race day. Um, it's not really, you know, a huge deal and it's not the end of the world for sure. Uh, most, more than likely if you run for long enough, you're going to face, uh, some weather that's, that's not great. And it's just, it's kind of like a good story to tell. And then it just makes your next race or your next experience like that much better. And then I think also just going back to the whole fact that you can still run really fast. Um, in adverse conditions, uh, I've seen it happen before where people, you know, still run really well. Um, it's all about approaching the race smart and making sure you don't go out too fast. Um, being smart about how you make those adjustments. So the 2018 year at Boston, um, I was five months postpartum and you know, it was going to do hurricane like rains. Um, a lot of the elites dropped out. And the, the one thing that really stood out to me is like how I approached the, the race. So obviously a lot of people were very concerned about what the weather was going to be like. Um, so I just kind of had a different mindset of, okay, I just want to survive and finish. Right. So, um, I threw all time goals out the window and that wasn't like even, I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating there. I literally threw all time goals out the window. And I think what a lot of people made the mistake of doing is they didn't do that. They said, okay, I'm going to adjust my goal. Um, they didn't say, what do I need to do just to finish this and be safe? So, a lot of people went out there in tank tops and crop tops and they were like, I'll just go a little slower or I'll just, you know, go off of effort. And if you're out in a monsoon wearing a crop top and it's 40 degrees with 30 mile per hour winds, you're not really going to stand a chance against hypothermia. So in my mind, I was like, okay, if I was going to go out and someone was like going to pay me a thousand dollars and be like, okay, you have to run 26.2 miles is like a survival thing. Um, how would I make sure I finish? Right. So I'd say, okay, I'd get a raincoat, get a lot of waterproof stuff. You know, I'd make sure I had the tools to be able to finish the race, right? And and then it becomes more about like, what do I need to do to make sure that I actually finish this thing so that I can, you know, finish because that's what I came here to do. Um, and then as a result, I ended up having a really good race day because I started really slow started conservatively. Um, I actually remember running alone for the first six miles because everyone just like took off like, like crazy. Um, and then I ended up, you know, catching people along the way, but it was my first and only time negative splitting the Boston course. Um, I felt really, really good. And I I attribute that to having the focus be more on, okay, what are the things that I can control and how can I make sure that I am going to finish this thing? Um, and so, and I, and I still ran like within the time 
um, window that I thought I was going to even be able to run on a good weather day. So I think that's a testament to if you adjust where your thinking is um, to more of like, what can I control and how can I run a, a how can I finish, right? Um, you're going to have a better outcome than if you start panicking and worry about, oh my gosh, am I going to fall really far off my goal? Like, what am I going to do? Um, just focus more so on what can I control? So, you know, the opposite has happened on really hot days. Um, I know we ran the LA marathon together in 2016. And for us, that was really hot. Um, we were coming from a February in Minnesota, which the average temperature is like zero degrees. So we did our long runs in zero degrees or on a treadmill when it was 60 degrees, uh, we had no exposure to the hot sun. I think that day, you know, it started at 70 and got up to like, I don't know, 75. It was in the seventies for a lot of the race. And for us, that was really hot. And I just remember I looked at the weather and I said to myself, you know, you don't want to do this. Like you don't want to go out and feel like crap. And I said, there's just no way that I can run. I, I can't race this marathon and have the game plan that I originally thought. And I remember on the bus ride there, I was a little, a little disappointed because I, I knew I couldn't do what I wanted to do that day. But I said to myself, hey, I can still finish this race and feel good at the finish and I can still run strong. I just need to back off what my initial goal was. Um, and then I kind of chatted with Jason about that. And he was like, I'm still going to go after my goal. And so that was really hard to hear because I was like, oh, like maybe I'm just being a wimp, whatever. But at the end of the day, again, I felt really good the last couple of miles of that race. Um, And I think it was a testament to going out uh, a little bit slower and just shifting my my focus on, okay, I want to feel good as opposed to, oh, I need to run, you know, 310 or whatever. Um, So you can still run well. I still, you know, ran like a BQ with a... At the time, I think it was like a 12-minute buffer. So it was still like a good, <laughs> solid day. Um, was it my goal time? Definitely not. But I wouldn't trade it for anything because I felt good. And I, I know that if I would have gone out uh, too fast, it would have ended in me having to walk more or like me maybe even potentially throwing up because of like heat exhaustion and all those things. So just really focusing on yourself and kind of what can I do to prevent these things from overpowering me and taking control over my day? Um, and that might mean making big adjustments. So another thing that a lot of people get really worried about, um, worked up about, or like, what if I get sick the day before? Or like, what if I get a tickle my throat? Like, what should I do? Yeah, I know this is, you know, sometimes we've all been through those um, phases, right? Where you feel like you might start to get sick and then you don't and then vice versa where you do. And so hopefully you just, you hope that your body is going to not let you down on race day. You're going to do all the things that you normally would do as well as probably take, I don't know, extra vitamin C, whatever you like to do for remedies. When you start to feel like you're getting sick, you want to just get as much sleep as you possibly can. And, um, Try not to think so much about it. Um, and, it, you know, if it does happen where you really are sick, then you obviously are going to think about adjusting your goals or, uh, I don't know, if it got that bad, you, you would probably know because you would have been getting sick hopefully um, days prior then you would think about maybe not running at all. But um, hopefully the timing doesn't, you know, it works out to your favor so that you don't ever have to experience that. Um, and I know Victoria's going to talk about this next one because she is a woman. And I know this is a common thing that happens where women can get their period around that same time. 
Right. Yeah. So another fear that I've heard a lot of people say over the years are like, oh my gosh, what if I get my period on race day? Um, and you know, I've been running for just, blah, I don't know, 10 years now racing for 10 years now. So definitely like I've had races where I'm on like first, second, third day of your period or whatever. And it's definitely not ideal. And you, you, you know, there's a lot of things that come with that. You know, everyone has their own kind of experience with, you know, that time of the month and all that stuff. But I think the biggest takeaway here is knowing that actually on the first day of your cycle, you have uh, the hormone levels that are most similar to a man. So what that means is like your estrogen is low, your progesterone is low, and your testosterone is actually like the highest it's going to be. And so what that means is that hormonally speaking, you're going to be able to perform um, at your peak during that time, during that first like seven, eight, nine days of your cycle, um, when all of your hormone levels are really low. And so I think flipping, you know, the script that we tell ourselves of, oh my gosh, this is like a limiting factor. And just really understanding that actually hormonally, this is the best time for you to race. Um, and then obviously I know like with having that time of the month comes like other unpleasant things that you have to worry about. Like maybe you get cramps or maybe you have to worry about like, um, changing, you know, things or, just going to the bathroom or all of those sort of things. But understanding that like you've probably been doing this for, you know, a few years now, maybe a couple decades, right? Like this isn't the first time you've had your period and you're going to get through this and then just focusing on the benefits of it. So focusing on the low hormone levels and saying, telling yourself like you are going to feel good, um, I think is huge. Uh, and we've had people like sit out from races because of their period. So everyone's going to be a little bit different. And I think, you know, talking to your doctor, if you have periods that are like that bad, where it like impacts, um, you being able to like perform like even like a daily function. So like if you, if you aren't able to like run on your period at all, I would say that that's like maybe not normal. And so I would like maybe go see a doctor about like, what are your options? And like, are there ways that you can like manage the symptoms here? Um, cause definitely you don't want it to be something that's going to like limit, um, your life. And there's definitely like options out there. Um, and you can get answers. Like it should never be so bad where you can't even run. Um, but know that a lot of people do actually set like PRs during that time of the month and it can actually be a benefit for you. Um, and then another thing that we wanted to kind of talk about is, you know, heading into these races, a lot of times like we feel we need support. We're kind of like in a vulnerable place because we're getting ready for this race and we can feel like we want validation and support from other people. So what are some ways that we can ask like others to support us during the taper and how can we like communicate that to people around us to give us the support that we maybe need or you know like the attention that we need during this special time (laughs) wow interesting i think yeah this is this is probably where your family you're going to rely on them a little bit more especially if there's any travel involved with this um you know, thinking about things that maybe um, you could take off your plate that maybe sometimes cause you extra stress. Um, I know, like, I don't know, for Victoria, we both we both traveled to races before, and I would say most of the time I would plan, like, the travel part of it, like how we're going to get to and from the airport or just, like, logistical things. Um, she likes to plan it further out, like maybe, like, what hotel we're staying at, but that'll just – it'll just kind of depend. And so going 
going off like your past experiences with, um, you know, roles that maybe you take on versus your spouse or other family members that maybe travel with you, or maybe you're going to travel with a friend. Um, so just planning ahead, thinking about like, uh, meals, right? Like I know doing the research ahead of time, like thinking about where you're going to eat. Um, um, I would say, planning for sleep that's going to be really important so like let's say you have small kids at home like making sure that your spouse is understanding of uh, sleep demands that you're going to require especially that those few days leading up to the race it's so important um yeah i think a lot of people turn to social media for like certain support or their you know they post their thoughts and that's fine too so you never know what someone personally is going through or you know, what their circumstances are as an individual, like if they live alone or have a family or live with their parents. And so it's just, it's, um, yeah, we're, we're all in this together when we show up. Um, and that's the great thing about our sport is that everyone comes together for the common goal. And we always feel, you know, running, running gives us a sense of accomplishment. Um, and I think that no matter if you meet your goal or not, um, you know, you should feel good about the fact that, you're doing something that that is hard. And a lot of people wouldn't even toe the line. They won't even begin to go through the training that is required to complete um, a race, whether that's even your first 5K or, you know, half marathon or marathon. So, yeah, I'm sure you have something to add to that. Oh, yeah. I have, like, so much to talk about this topic, which is so interesting. I think our dynamic is a little bit different because we both run and we both do the races. And I think, like, in most relationships or marriages, like, that's not the case. Or even like with your friends, like maybe they aren't runners or whatever, whoever your support system is at home, like maybe it's your parents. Like, I'm not sure the listeners who are listening, like where you fall on that, but ours dynamic is a little bit different. And I guess if you are someone who has a spouse, who's also doing the race with you, um, I think like in the beginning it was, it was, there were some like the bumpy road sort of things. Cause it's like, we both have like very specific, weird, like tick things. I think that we like to have before a race, like where I'll be like, I need the bathroom, like at certain, you know, times and just being able to like communicate that or just like getting in your rhythm and, um, like different food preferences and all that stuff. Like, I think we kind of have it down now, but in the beginning it was like really important to like communicate, Hey, like, I need to eat time. now. Like these right. are the times we're eating. Um, cause I'm more of like a, like put, put it off. Like I don't, I don't need to like constantly be eating, but like you're very about the nutrition. So it's just really important whoever you're with. Um, and if you are with another runner, I think that's, that's even harder sometimes because you have to understand like they're just as nervous as you and they probably have their own things that they're like really worried about and that they have like that they need to be constantly maybe they're constantly like doing you know water and electrolytes and they, they're bringing it everywhere with them and they, they constantly have to go to the bathroom and stuff like that or like maybe they're a different opposite end of the spectrum where they're just really chill about stuff and it's just like totally different than what you're used to. So, um, just kind of understand that everyone kind of handles the stress of, you know, pre-race a little bit differently. Um, and then not getting like too worked up about anything and making sure like you're taking care of like your own needs and not, not worrying too much about like kind of what they're doing because they're, they'll take care of themselves. Um, but when it comes to like the other people that you want to like support you on race day, I think that's where it can be like really difficult. Um, I've seen a plethora of different, you know, things on social media or my athletes will tell me like of how their families support them on race day. Like some of them, they'll drive three hours by themselves and show up at the race, um, alone. And then you have the opposite end of the spectrum where like people's like both sets of 
parents show up and and they got signs and the spouse has signs and the spouse has like a water bottle handing off at every single mile and like biking next to them and the kids are there and just everything. And I'm like, whoa, like these are two totally different like levels of support. And it's all about kind of like what you want personally, I guess. And I think it's important to understand like people don't really know, like maybe yourself like isn't in a running and doesn't know, or your parents have no idea. And so it's really important to like communicate to them, like what's important to you and what's not. Um, some people like to go to races alone and that's like what they want to do. Um, they don't want other people involved in it and that's totally fine. Um, but you might be someone where it's like, you have been driving alone to a race and you want people to come and support you, I think just like letting them know and making it maybe a little bit easier for them to understand how to get there. Um, We had a couple that was friends and she would always show up to the race to like spectate, but she never really knew where to go. So she'd always go to like the finish line of the marathon and it, it takes like four hours to get there. And I just kept wondering like, what does she do the whole time? You know, like the whole four hours that she's sitting there. So, but for runners, they they just kind of focus on themselves and what they're doing during the race. But oftentimes, like, if we don't give, like, good enough directions, like, okay, like, you don't have to go to the finish until three hours into the race, and then I'll be there at, like, four hours. Um, making it a little bit easier for them because they probably do want to support you in some way. But figuring out, like, how to make it work for them because the last thing you want them to do is, like, be confused on where to go, get lost, um, all those sort of things. Because it is really hard to spectate races. I've done it before, and it's just, it's not something that I enjoy doing. Um, I'm not the greatest race spectator on earth. But, you know, if you give um, good directions and you think of the other person, I think you can really have them help support you better. So if there is anything that, like, you're hoping that maybe they, they do for you or, like, you go out to eat afterwards, I think taking the initiative and kind of, planning that yourself and communicating that yourself and not waiting around for someone to, you know, do that for you is definitely, um, it's definitely smart because I don't think a lot of people know that, you know, this, this race thing is a big deal. Um, especially if they're not a runner, like maybe they think it's like golfing 18 holes. Like what's the big deal? Like you're going to go and then you're going to come back. Right. So they have no idea how important or unimportant this is to you. So you need to uh, maybe like speak up and invite some people to come watch you or do, do whatever you're expecting. Cause chances are, if you have these expectations and, uh, uh, and other people, they aren't aware or it's not like mutually out there, you might end up maybe with hurt feelings. So if you want people to go out and support you, um, let them know how important it is for you and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, I hope this was maybe beneficial leading up to the taper and all those things on racing. I know a lot of people can get nervous when it comes to racing and, and have all these fears in their mind. But if you kind of say the fears out loud, they aren't as scary. Um, and just reflecting on all the things and understanding that it's a journey to get to the start line on race day. And it's not all about that performance. The race is just the cherry on top of all of the uh, training that you've already put in. And I like to think of it as that, that college class, kind of like we were saying, it's just the final exam. And, you know, even if you only, you know, don't even hit halfway to your goal, that's still getting a 50% on a final exam when you did all the work, um, during the semester, you're still probably going to get like a B in the class. So really just thinking about it and more from that mindset rather than a pass fail sort of thing. 
So if you ever have any questions or you just want to talk, maybe you want to talk about pre-race nerves, any of those things, um, we actually even do phone consultations if you want. We'd be happy to chat with you about you know, race day, tapering, pacing plans, all those things. We also do a seven-day free trial if you are interested in what our training would look like or you want us to create a taper, taper plan for you. If you fill out the form on our website, www.runforprs.co, we can get you set up right away and chatting with a coach. Thanks for tuning in.